0: Welcome to Digital Dialogue. We're your hosts, Caitlin McKee and Lauren Brown. And we're here today with Mallory Porch, who is the fourth member of our distance learning team at Calhoun. Mallory. Hi. How are you?
1: Good. How are y'all today? Good.
0: Good.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be here.
0: We are happy to have you. We are. We are. Mallory's had to listen to us plan this whole podcast from a while ago.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. And I've gotten so excited.
0: Oh, thank you. Well,
2: we wanted to start off by talking about something that we all enjoy, (gasps) other members more than I, but books. Oh, yes. Yes.
0: Mm -hmm. Because you two, Lauren and Mallory, share a favorite book. Yes, we do. Yes. And it's,
2: it's really one of the only books that I like read (laughs) you know what i mean like i'm not because i'm not like a a a reader Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i can read let me clarify (laughs) but but uh, that's not like a hobby of mine yeah Mm
1: -hmm. but But you did pick an excellent one yes to be your book
2: and what is that book
1: Jane Eyre yes Jane Eyre
2: tis my favorite Mm -hmm. so now tell us a little bit about your background Mm -hmm. uh your educational background and maybe let us understand why you love Jane Eyre so much.
1: Okay. Oh, man, that would that could go deep real fast. <laughs> um, but, yes, we'll start with the educational background and then see how much time we have. <laughs> um, I went to the University of Alabama, um, but before that, I took dual enrollment classes at Wallace State, where my mom was an instructor. Uh, cool. So I'm, I've been able to sort of see how community colleges work for a really long time. Um, and then I went to the University of Alabama, and I majored in secondary education language arts, Uh, which is basically so that you can teach middle and high school. Um, And then I taught high school for a semester during my internship, and then I substituted a year after for um, a long-term sub while another teacher was out. Um, And that was an experience (laughs) (laughs) that really did teach me a whole lot, Um, very eye-opening in many ways, positive ways, um, but also led me to the to the belief and the knowledge that I was ready to get my master's in English <laughs> yeah. and to teach in college. So, so go I'm just on. curious, what did your mom teach? My mom, oh gosh, she was in the business department. She taught business and stats and all cool. of the things that I do not understand. She's so smart. Um, yeah, and she always did that. And I was always, always an English person, just always, because I was a big reader. I yeah. loved to read as a child. Yes. And I still yeah, um, and I still do. Yeah, and I... Man, I know everybody says this, but if people would just, like, get their kids to read, 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 it would solve so many problems. Yeah. Um, Because that's where my vocabulary comes from. That's where spelling comes from. That's where, honestly, most of the stuff I know Mm. about the world comes from.
0: I've got to disagree with you a little bit on that because I (laughs) am a crazy reader. And I still can't spell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's okay, too. That's okay, too.
0: <laughs> but I do agree. It, it just
1: builds <laughs> compassion. Yes. If nothing else. Mm. I've always felt it really builds into that critical thinking piece, right? The more knowledge that you have to draw on, the more that you have to then use your thinking skills to sort of navigate around. Um yeah, so I got my master's in English literature at the University of Alabama, um, and then decided that I really loved that a lot. Um, and I was encouraged to apply for a fellowship for a Ph.D., and I ended up getting it. So I went to from the University of Alabama, two degrees, to Auburn. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> uh, And I'm getting my Ph.D. there. I should graduate this semester. Yay! Major yes. knock wood, guys. So <laughs> just here in a few months then. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay! Congratulations! Yes, we're in the end, the end stages, so.
0: So you want to gush for 30 seconds about what your dissertation's about? Yes. I know you're very passionate about it. Do it. Do it.
1: Thank you so much. Okay, so um, (laughs) I am a big cultural studies person. There are people who study literature as art, and there are people who study literature as artifact. Um, And I love it as both, but I'm most interested in studying it as artifact. Um, And I'm interested in how women's voices have so thoroughly for so long been deleted from literary history Mm -hmm. um, and history in general. So what I do is I go back and I look at all of the male writers who were writing, but then I find the women writers who were writing in in opposition to them. And it's not that they weren't there. There's a big assumption that historically women just weren't writing. That's not true. In many cases, women did not have the same access to education. But in a lot of those cases, they taught themselves, or they were taught by family members. Um, And a lot of them did turn into really powerful, really talented writers. Um, So my dissertation is on epistolary fiction and the women writers who have been left out of literary histories of epistolary fiction, which is fiction in letters. So if you've read... um, and, of course, whenever I try to think of, like, an obvious example <laughs> of epistolary fiction that everyone would know, it's not there. Because a lot of the examples are actually journals, and I, the, I have a personal philosophy that that doesn't count. <laughs> um,
0: the first one that popped in my head is not in your mm-hmm. time period, but it's that book we were talking about. I, I read it this year. O P. Yes. Yes, yes. LMNOP,
1: the Guernsey Literary yeah. Society. What is it? Like the Potato Peel Pie and yeah. Literature Society. That's epistolary, a, a I think.
0: O P is. Ella Minnow P. is so interesting.
1: <laughs> I actually haven't read it, but I want to, because yeah. I've heard such great things.
0: Well, it's, it's all about this island, this fictional island off the coast of America where they have their own little society and government. And... It's all kind of based off the guy who wrote The Quick Brown Fox Jumps. Yeah. What is it? I, that's not right. Oh,
1: The Quick Brown Fox Jumped Over the Something. Lazy
0: Dog. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, like that. it's like the shortest sentence mm-hmm. that Has incorporates all the, all the letters of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. And they have a statue of this, and the letters start falling off. Mm-hmm. And so their remote government kind of implements that these letters are unusable now. And so um but it's all epistolary mm-hmm. and um the letters slowly start losing letters. The letters start losing <laughs> letters. It's a great book on so many levels because it is so just like mm-hmm interesting. I wouldn't, I don't know that I rated it highly as like a big reread for me, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really glad I read it.
1: Yeah. Well, there are those that you're just really, really glad that you read. Yeah. But they're going to stick with you and you don't necessarily have to reread it. I don't know. And then there's Jane Eyre, which you have to reread over <laughs> and over and over. Um, for the rest there. of your yeah. life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I had never read Jane Eyre. And so I did. And God. I have a rule that I don't read the same book twice in a year because mm-hmm. um, I keep track of what I read. And so this year I'm on track to get my 52 books in a year. Yay. That's amazing. I know. I've got mm-hmm. 42 right now. That's amazing. So I've got plenty of time. But anyway, so I read Jane Eyre and I have lots of feelings. And I feel like my feelings would have been totally different had I read it as like a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm really anxious to read it again next year in 2022. Um, I feel like that'll kind of solidify my, my feelings about it. So Mallory, you do have one other love that's why we're here today. And that's blackboard ally (laughs) yes so
2: uh tell us before we get into the into the tool itself
1: uh tell us a little bit about your role at the college what a typical day looks like for you Mm -hmm. yes so i am an instructional designer Uh, at the time of this podcast i think i'm going on my sixth month here So about half a year, yeah, and I work with the instructors who are in the departments of the humanities, social sciences, fine arts, and health sciences. And so with those instructors, what I usually do is help them to develop and put online their courses. And my days really vary a lot. Um, I might come in one day and teach a workshop, a professional development workshop, to instructors on something like Ally. Um, I might come in and have individual meetings with instructors about any question that they have. We might go through a course and be developing it from the beginning. We might be looking at a course and thinking about how to fine-tune one aspect. Um, And right now, a big question that I have is how to increase critical thinking and active learning in the online classroom and the best tools and technologies to help that happen.
2: All right. So tell us a little bit about Ally. What is Ally? Some people, I think we've mentioned it. Some people may have heard about it, you know, kind of floating around. So tell us a little bit about it.
1: Okay, Ally, and I love this. It's easier when you can see it, but obviously you're just listening to me now. But if you look at it as instead of A L L Y, as a 11Y, the 11 in the middle stands for the 11 letters between the A and the Y in the word accessibility.
2: I love that so much. I love Isn't that. that the best?
1: Yes. I have no idea if they actually did that on purpose or if it's just something someone found and like made up afterwards. I don't know, right. but it's perfect. No, it's it. great because <laughs> uh, so it works ally.
0: on so many levels because it is an ally, yes. but then also it's just it's so cool.
1: <laughs> so it's all about accessibility, and it's this fantastic tool that works with LMSs, uh, Learning Management Systems, to help increase the accessibility level of a course
2: so we know that uh we we are blackboard school Mm -hmm. so we incorporate it through blackboard Mm -hmm. um and so if you're an instructor listening to this this podcast you're probably like well uh i already know that creating an accessible course is a ton of work (laughs) yes so how can ally help me
1: Ally automates most of that work for you, which is why it's so great. So Ally is already in your course. It's already functioning. If you're using a Blackboard Calhoun course, you don't have to set it up or anything. I get asked that a lot. Um, It is already working in your course to one, change all of your content items so that they can be in alternative formats. This means that students who, for instance, would prefer to listen to something as they drive rather than read it can download an audio version without you, the instructor, having to do anything. Um, And there's a variety of formats, not just audio. So it works for students who have specific accommodations that we need to make for them. But it also works for the students who are driving a lot during the day and want to listen instead. Um, It works for the students who are maybe doing something at night, right?
0: Um, And that's part of our, this season one, our kind of encompassing theme is universal design. So that's, it's perfect for that. We Mm -hmm. talked a lot about, you know, how captions can work for stay-at-home moms or you know anything like that. So if you do have a long drive, you're driving a long way to school or work, mm-hmm. this is a way to do do school while you drive.
1: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is part of accessibility. It's making it more accessible to those students who don't have time maybe to sit and dedicate hours a day at a desk in one place. Right, Um, And so I really encourage everyone to think about accessibility in that way. It's not this isolated thing that's only for for a few students who have letters from the Office of Accommodations, right? It's for everybody, because we all want our learning to be more accessible to all students. Uh, So the second thing that Ally does, first, it um, automatically changes text into alternative formats. Um, Next, it finds issues in your course, and it leads you to the fix. So you don't have to look through the course and look at every single content item. Instead, you can just go to the accessibility report. Ally is going to run it for you, and it's going to pop up uh, the most critical issues in your course to be fixed. It's going to tell you what the problem is, and it's going to tell you how to fix it. And then it's going to give you the correct portal within the Ally screen to fix it. So it really cuts down on a lot of extra clicking, on a lot of extra looking around, and a lot of extra checking. So what kind of, uh, what kind of material does it look at in a, in a course? It looks at text and images. Um, so for instance, if you upload a PDF, the computer may not be able to read that PDF. To the computer, it may just be a picture. And that means it can't be translated into audio. Right? because it doesn't have any text to read. So that's one of the issues that Ally often finds. It, the PDF has not been OCR'd. OCR means that the computer can change it into text and then read it to you. So Ally would take you to that PDF and flag it and say you need to OCR this PDF, upload it again, and then the computer and Ally can read it and change it into these alternative formats. It also checks images um, that it can't read to see if they have an attached alternative text. And so if a student is not able to see the image for any reason, uh, whether, again, they can't physically see it or they're just driving down the road, then the computer can read the alternative text to them and the student will gain an equivalent amount of information. And so a lot of times Ally will flag images that do not have those descriptions, that don't have that alt text. Uh, but. It's so convenient because then it'll pull up the box at the side of the screen. You can type in the alt text right there, click Save, and now that image has a description and making it accessible to all students. It's so handy that you can do that without leaving Blackboard. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's right there for you. You can just do it right then.
2: So that's great. So Ally can be used from the beginning, Mm
0: -hmm. uh,
2: but it can also be used after you've already delivered a course maybe like many, many semesters, and it's kind of a tried and true course that Mm
1: -hmm. you've been
2: using for a long time, Ally can still come in and flag issues, right?
1: Absolutely, yes. Um, And it can also give you a lot of information about how the material is being used. Um, I was looking through a couple of courses Recently, and I noticed that the conversion rate, which is how many students are actually downloading the material and then changing it, converting it into another format for them to use or access, uh, was close to half 50%. Oh, fantastic. Which is a huge amount of students at the college that are using this. Yeah. Far more than actually have, you know, maybe a specific letter from the Office of Accommodations, right? Um, That means that this is a really useful tool for students and they're using it in their daily lives.
2: So, Ally flags things uh, kind of according to severity. And so, what is the most common red flag in terms of severity mm-hmm. that, that you've seen?
1: It is always um, the one that I mentioned before, the PDF is not OCR'd, hmm. right? So, the computer can't read it, um, or that the document, uh, and this could be like a Word document or a PDF, any kind of document, is not using headings mm. or styles. Um, and that is very important, um, especially for screen readers and for audio, because um, that's where the hierarchy of the document comes in, right? right? Um, and then images that don't have descriptions. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are always the top three, and always the top three that I encourage people to pay attention to when they're putting a course mm-hmm. together, if they can, or to tackle first if they're yeah. going back through a course.
0: Well, and it's interesting, too, because at least the headings and the alt text are very easy to add. Yes, you know it's it's not it's not an all-encompassing huge overhaul. Mm-hmm.
1: It is it is one of the easiest fixes, right? Yeah. Um, as long as you have that original document on your computer to be able to alter. Um, I know some teachers have been using um, you know things that they scanned a while ago um and oftentimes those are not OCRd. Uh you can OCR them and it's not that terrible. Um you just usually have to have access to Adobe. Yeah, I imagine program. the
0: PDF issues, The definitely the hardest <laughs> <laughs> out of those top 3. Uh,
1: it is, but you know, you know the other two are just so easy that by comparison it's really not that bad too, so. But the most important thing I always think is really the hierarchy. So making sure that you're using headings. And that's just where the document knows that the title is called a title and that mm-hmm. the first heading is heading one. Uh, because a lot of us grew up, I think, just sort of using the space bar and the tab key oh, yeah. <laughs> and the inner key to design our document. Yeah. Um, and I certainly used to be guilty of that, right? Um, but now I use, in Microsoft Word, the styles pane at mm-hmm. the top. Uh, and I've modified each of them so that my title has the font that I want, so that headings have the title and font that I want. Um, and that just makes it so easy. And that really comes into
2: play when uh, people are using screen readers, right? It provides navigation. Yes. Um, we talked about this, I think, in in one of our other episodes where you know if i am looking at a document i can very easily skim to find the area where i need to be but if somebody is using a screen reader and you don't have those styles in place it's going to be very difficult for them to mm-hmm. find where they need to to be
1: yeah they basically um, just have to go through the entire piece of text again
2: right mm-hmm. right and also those headings pull up in the navigation pane Mm -hmm. So again, for for sighted people, I use the navigation pane all the time just to very easily navigate to where I need to be.
1: Yeah, it basically just makes a table of contents for you.
2: So you kind of told us about some of the the top things that you recommend instructors address um, in their courses in in terms of accessibility. Like, what's one thing instructors could do to improve the accessibility of their course?
1: I guess I would just have to say uh, consistency. Be consistent in the design of your course and the navigation of your course. It's tempting to want to use pretty fonts and to try to change things up and to use color in the fonts, but really that makes it a lot more difficult to navigate. You want to use the same font in all the titles. Preferably, always use black font. It's the easiest to read. Always choose a font that's accessible, like Times New Roman. Um, it's plain, but you know there's a reason it's an old standby. Always use um, text that's at least 12 points or higher, and make sure that the size you choose is consistent for each level of hierarchy. That way, immediately, I look at it, and I know, well, that's a title that is a heading and that is the paragraph of text. Mm-hmm. You want to make it easy and consistent for the student. I like
0: that you brought that up because one thing that we've been trying to do at Calhoun for a long time is make a consistent navigational experience. And so, you know, along that same line, we're trying to make it where every menu in every course is laid out the same. Mm-hmm. So, so important. every Yeah, so every time a student goes into a course, they're not having to hunt and find the syllabus. It's always under course information, and so it's it's kind of like that. It's it's keeping everything similar enough to where you're not having to do a lot of
1: digging. Absolutely, and it is important. Um, and I mean, I've I'm a teacher. I've been a teacher for um, you know over a decade now, and I get that everybody wants to personalize their course and you know just feel like you have some autonomy. Um, but when you think about all of the different ways that a course can be organized and how many classes students are generally taking at one time, it can begin to be really overwhelming to go into every course and have to switch to a different navigational style. Absolutely. And it just helps a lot if instructors are using that same navigational process.
2: So do you have any final kind of tips and tricks that you want to share with the Ally?
1: Oh, let's see. Hmm. Always run the accessibility report and click through it. It's got so much more information than you might think. Um, And always, always keep the original file that you use. That way, if you find a problem in the heading, if you find an image in it that didn't have a description, you can just zip to your files, change it really quick and re-upload.
2: And the accessibility report is actually located under the course management area of the course menu. It's underneath course tools. I think it's the first thing listed there. Well, that's all we have. We're not going to do a Tech Corner because this entire episode was a Tech Corner. (laughs) So Mallory, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, we really appreciate it.
1: It was so much fun.
0: So we're recording this part a little bit after the fact, um, because we realized that Ally is great and awesome, and we love it, but we want to make sure in this podcast we're giving you resources that you can use today, and Allied is a paid product. So we wanted to also tell you about a really cool website that we honestly still use very often, if not daily, called WebAIM. I use
2: WebAIM all the time. I use their uh, color contrast checker all of the time. Uh, But if you go to WebAIM, W-E-B-A-I-M, that stands for Web Accessibility in Mind, .org, so WebAIM.org, you will find a ton of resources. There's information there about various services. There's articles there. Um, there is a tab at the top that just simply says resources. And so on this page, there are different checklists. There's one for WCAG, there's one for Section 508. So Lauren, what's WCAG? WCAG is Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. So it's a checklist that kind of shows the recommendations for implementing accessibility principles and techniques. Also on that WebAIM resources page, There is a color contrast checker, which again, I use that like all the time.
0: I would say that's probably the main tool on WebAIM that we do use a lot.
2: Yes, yes. And then there's um, kind of an overview of different accessibility evaluation tools that you can use as well. There's some stuff there about JAWS, the screen reader. (laughs) Not the movie. Not the the shark, (laughs) not the animatronic shark. (laughs) So we just wanted to kind of point that
0: out as a resource. WebAIM can help you gain a good understanding of what's required to meet whatever ADA requirements or accessibility features that you should have in your online classes.
2: That's right, and there's a search bar there as well. So if there's something in particular, just search for it, and you'll you'll find some good stuff there.
0: We also want to take this opportunity to remind everyone that we have an email address. It's digitaldialogue at calhoun.edu. And we are looking forward to hearing questions and getting feedback. I believe we've said it before, but we really want to make this podcast into something that's helpful for you guys listening. We know that a lot of it's going to be geared towards Calhoun because that's our experience. That's where we are. And that's probably where a good section of our listener base is going to be from the beginning. But we do want to put things out there that are helpful for everyone listening. So um, feel free to write us. We want to air some of those questions at some point, and we will respond, too. We're going to really make a good effort to do that. We're hoping to have an episode
2: uh, maybe towards the end of Season 1 where we go through and read those questions and respond to those questions. So please send those through. Uh, We'll be happy to put those in the podcast. Or, you know, we can... We can just address them privately (laughs) if needed. (laughs) But yeah, if you have questions or comments about accessibility, about universal design, uh, about learning styles, which is coming up, um, or just about course design, or Blackboard, or LMS, or EdTech, uh, we will do our best to answer them.
0: We do not accept questions on Canvas. Thank you. kidding (laughs) we will do the best we can to answer questions from any lms absolutely Um, blackboard is our is our like home stadium (laughs) hashtag sports reference (laughs) we want to hear from you guys and we want to form us a little community around digital dialogue and all that it entails in edtech
2: thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode we will see you in the next one bye